The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One man, one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. If you're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. Where is the fun belt upset on Saturday? Is desperation the one that will carry the day in the picks? And can Texas follow up? This is the College Game Day podcast. The Picks Edition for Friday, September 16th. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Bill Connolly. Pete, I'm upset with myself on the Superdog pick last week. Not, you know, it's nice to get Vanderbilt into the show. And for those who I think you're aware, Superdog pick, you pick an underdog, has to be more than a field goal. And the idea is you want to pick somebody you think that can win the game, right? So I got overly overly influenced by week one, a cardinal sin. I said that I wasn't going to do it again. I haven't been big on Wisconsin all year, but the way Washington State had to survive against Idaho week one scared me off of it. Instead, I went to Vanderbilt and and got blown up and I would have had an outright win as a two touchdown dog or whatever it is. So the point, the moral of this story is that whatever picks I make today, right, wrong, or indifferent, will be done fearlessly and with no regard for overly analytical thinking. Trust your gut. No, your gut is uh, your gut is usually right, and your gut should never trust Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I thought you know the, Mike Wright had been responsible for ten touchdowns. Good. Wake's been known to give up a bunch of points. You know. I was worried about the Sam Hartman return, you know, maybe energizing what's normally a sleepy environment. And uh, it turns out that it did. And that was a really, really bad Superdog pick. But Yeah, I think the main takeaway so far is that Hawaii is really bad this year. Yeah. Um, like this was kind of a scorched earth kind of situation for them. And uh, yeah, Vanderbilt has not quite lived up to that standard since. Bill Connolly, you know, let's look at the records. Last week, Pete, me, Taylor, all four and four. Bill, three and five. Sarah came back to earth at two and six. <laughs> but over, over the course of the season, uh, Pete, you and I are at the bottom. I'm at rock bottom. I'm a game behind you at eight and 14. But I, I think I did get my lock again last week, didn't I? I got a Mississippi State over Arizona. So it was a good pick. They dominated them. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, I promised from the start that this is a my my numbers are doing just fine this season, but I promised from the start that I would overthink and overthink and and on one hand, but on the other hand, myself to death. And sure enough, like a, a good solid ten and twelve so far. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that Bill does that I think is most fascinating in the postmortems of the week is you come up with the win expectancy. I, I yeah. really love that stat because fans sometimes get mad when people say, "How did you know?" If, especially if you're going against their team and you say, well, this team should have won instead. But what you do, and I'm putting this overly in an overly simplistic fashion, is you take all of the stats play by play, moment by moment of what happens in a game, put them into your formula and say, given these stats and these occurrences in the game, yeah. this is the likelihood that this team would have won. 
What was the most surprising result last week based on that, based on win expectancy? Yeah, there weren't many. There are only a couple that that actually were kind of under 50%, like the team that should have won didn't. I was kind of expecting Wisconsin-Washington State to end up on that end, honestly, because I just, you know, watching that game, Wisconsin sure seemed to be creating more and figuring out ways to blow it, but it didn't quite work out that way. Um, I think that, let me see. The, there were two games that were more surprising than the others. Uh, <laughs> and here's the best podcast when I'm scrolling through a spreadsheet. Um, Coastal, th- this one's kind of alarming, as as well as so many Sunbelt teams did. Coastal Carolina probably shouldn't have beaten Gardner-Webb. Um, that was uh, just 18% chance based on those stats. Like they, they really, really struggled in that game. And then the one that kind of got people riled up a little bit was I only had App State at 23% against A&M. Kind of had to dive into that one a little bit. And, and basically the way that played out, it, it was such a perfect, we're going to lose every first and second down, but get just enough on third down to keep the ball kind of situation for App State on offense. They had like what, four yards per play or something like that. Uh, it was a very low probability of success in the in kind of the formula they used to pull the upset. It was great to watch. And, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it certainly reinforced some ideas we had about AM and its quarterback play and everything. But really it was, my numbers dropped AM, but not not as much as I maybe expected in part because, you know, they play that game again. They, they snap the ball more than 40 times. Uh, they don't give up a whatever 50% success rate on third downs and all that stuff. And they probably get away with it. So that was the that was the biggest one, I think. All right, let's start picking games here, boys. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill to start. And we will start with Miami at Texas A&M, a five and a half point favorite. Huge game for these two teams. This is going to test my new resolve to not be overly <laughs> analytical here because this is one, you know a and going to be desperate. That crowd's going to be electric. I'm not on the bandwagon of Miami being back. I am on the bandwagon in modern-day college football. If you've got a dude at quarterback, even on the road, you, you take him. So I'm going to go with Tyler Van Dyke, and I'll take the points. I'll take the Canes. I uh, I feel good because I want to disagree with Reese. I think that's uh, that, that I don't I don't need a, my own SP plus <laughs> formula to know that would be that would have me on a pretty successful uh, season. I think there'll be changes at Texas A and M. I think there'll be an energy bolt at Texas A and M. I love that it's an eight o'clock local start. I think that there is a certain power to desperation in college football that you know is hard to uh, is is hard to quantify. Um, from from a housekeeping note, Jacoby George, who's one of Miami's best wide receivers, comes back this week. He had been suspended the first two weeks, and look, Van Dyke's excellent. Um, he may be a top ten pick in this upcoming draft before it's all said and done. Uh, it worried me a little that Miami sputtered around some with uh, with Southern Miss in the, in the first half the other day, and uh, I just think that until I get the empirical evidence from the Canes, I'm going to just stay safe with uh, with A and M, maybe with a quarterback change, and to see if they can uh, to see if they can you know actually if they possess the ball, I think they'll be in a, in, in much better straits. So. Um, yeah, I just I just have a hard time Miami seeing Miami as a program right now going in and winning that game in uh, in College Station. So I will uh, I will take the Aggies and the points. Yeah, I will completely ignore. No way, you don't get. You're giving points. You're oh, giving points, Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a no-brainer then. Sorry, I look. I I, I misread the sh- I misread the sheet. No, yeah, yeah. you've got to win by six. I'm saying yeah. Van Dyke keeps him within six. Yeah. 
I'm going to go ahead and be overly analytical and screw everything up because you could really just look at this game and say, well, who has the better quarterback? Okay, well, then that's, you know, and, and they get six points or five and a half or whatever. So that, that seems like a pretty good situation for Miami. Um, I do think there's going to be an energy boost uh, in College Station. And I was very spooked by that early kind of drought for Miami where, um, like, you, you for, for an efficiency offense, they don't make a ton of big plays for them to kind of stall out for a little while and, and really struggle to make big plays on Southern Miss even, they're really going to struggle to make big plays against Texas A&M. So I figure home crowd, I, I any change from Jimbo will be a surprise to me because that that's not really something he does. But um, I, I figure the just defense and line play and big play prevention get the job done and, and A&M wins by, you know, 7 to 10, something like that. Next up, BYU trying to add to its college football playoff resume. They are a three and a half point favorite as they head to Eugene to face Oregon. Let's go Pete Bill Reese. Well, as our listeners know, this is really a BYU football podcast uh, masquerading <laughs> around national, uh, national, national college football. Um, investors in this game uh, should probably watch closely to see if there's any injury updates closer to uh, kickoff. Uh, Puka Nakua has an ankle and Gunnar Romney has yet to play this year. Those are the two best receivers for, uh, for, for, for BYU. So those are, those are just things to, things to watch. If you are going to, uh, if you are going to invest in the game, I think that that's, uh, that that's something certainly to, uh, to watch. I feel like that BYU is going to go win this game. I just don't <laughs> feel like they're going to be physically overwhelmed at all by Oregon. And I just, have a hard time, you know, putting my faith in Bo Nix when it comes down to it. Some of this <laughs> comes down to the 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 feel we talked about when we were did our week zero pick pod, which is just like I, I would rather just not take UConn than like be like miserable saying why did I take UConn, even though there's some <laughs> some some logic to that. And I think Bo Nix has sort of earned that scrutiny um, to to just sort of say, you know what, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll just, we'll, we'll just ride the team that's going to be consistent, the team that's going to be dominant at the point of attack and the team that has the much, much, much better quarterback. I, yeah, I, I, I'm struggling with this one because, you know, what we saw from BYU last week, beating a really good Baylor team without your top two receivers, um, you know, matching physicality with a really physical team. You know, neither team could run the ball that well. Uh, both teams had to, you know, it was just a couple big plays here and there that ended up making a difference. <clears throat> that, that, that was a humongous test pass for BYU. And now they have kind of a different test. I think Oregon's probably faster than them, but they're probably the more physical team or, or they've been the more successfully physical team so far. So that's going to be really interesting. I, I don't know. Oregon makes no big plays whatsoever, but they were super, super efficient. Like their stats make them look like a, like a service Academy team right now. They're, they, they never go three and out. They're very high in my success rate uh, measures and they, and, and like almost dead last in, in explosiveness. So that mm. makes this is a really kind of a weird experience right now, but I guess I'm just going to lean on home field. I do think that BYU clearly has a better quarterback situation, but Bo Nix has been just effective at the not scrambling too much, not trying to go too crazy and, and just getting the ball out of his hands. If he keeps that up, I think they're in pretty good shape. I'll take Oregon. You know, I will say that I think that Bo needs to be Bo. Uh, when when he's at his, and I hate that phrase because who else is he going to be? Is he going to be Tom or Joe or Fred? But by that I mean, if he can ever figure out when 
to take off and go on those whirling dervish, <laughs> you know, daring plays and not try to do it when he doesn't need to. His athleticism is much, much higher in terms of being able to run and be really effective moving the chains on third down, scrambling out of trouble. I mean, that ought to be a weapon for him. I can't, I, there's a gut feeling in me, and I know I said I was going to go with gut feelings that, that Oregon's going to show up, but I'm going to go with BYU on the same philosophy that I have with Miami. They're stronger in the quarterback situation. They're more stable. Uh, they're, uh, Miami's not more stable, but BYU's more stable than Oregon because it's a new regime. Uh, I think Dan Landing will get there, but at this moment, Kalani Sataki's uh, program is embedded uh, in the minds and the hearts and the souls of those players. I think BYU goes in and, and wins a game, uh, a, a tight game. The Oregon plays really well, but BYU will win and win by just enough. I'd say probably a four-point BYU win. It's a football Friday, and if you're looking for more football content to get you primed for the weekend, look no further. ESPN Podcasts and Omaha Productions have been hard at work on a ton of NFL content. Your options for listening include the Dominique Foxworth Show, the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, Kyle Brandt's Basement, Fantasy Focus Football, the Adam Schefter Podcast, and the Bill Barnwell Show. Look, I know that's a lot, but there's nothing wrong with having options. You can follow all of those shows wherever you're listening to this podcast. Next up, we've got a real interesting conference tilt between uh, two teams that have already been tested a bit. Mississippi State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite going to LSU. Let's go Bill, Reese, Pete. I, I, I went, you know, from the start, uh, when he got hired by Mississippi State, I was really excited about uh, Mike Leach bringing in, you know, a Rocky Long guy for his for his defense and, and trying to get as weird on defense as offense, just in terms of how hard it is to prepare for. I think their defense is better than their offense right now or really close to it. Um, you know, Jaden Delora at the beginning of last week's game was making a couple of like crazy magical Jaden Delora plays and then that just kind of stopped and Mississippi State took over. And, and so I think. You know, I, I really, really like what I've seen. And, and if we're talking about, this is an amazing thing to say. If we're talking about stability, it feels like Mike Leach's team has it over Brian Kelly's team at the moment. Um, like that's, uh, you know, a year from now, Arg. I won't be able to say that anymore. But, oh, like I had to take advantage of it while I could. Um, yeah, I, I think I trust Mississippi State a little bit more. What did we say? What, what was the line in this game? Two and a half? Two and a half. Boy, that's that's a really good line. <laughs> That that's that makes it kind of. Mm. I I'm not. Never mind. I'm not going to overthink this. We're going. We're, my numbers say Mississippi State by one. I'm, so that that'll allow me to say Mississippi State's the better team and still pick LSU. Mississippi State's going to win the game. I think they're the better team right now. Uh, LSU looked so disjointed <laughs> and and fragmented against uh, in that opener against Florida State that you wonder if everybody is bought in. And yeah. sometimes new coaches come in and they get immediate buy-in. And sometimes it, it takes a couple of years because they have to get some guys out, have to get new guys in. I think that my gut instinct and read on LSU is that's where Brian Kelly is. Brian Kelly is an excellent coach. He will win at LSU, but not Saturday night. I'll take Mississippi State. 
I will follow Bill's lead, but not his logic. I really, <laughs> uh, I really like Mississippi State's three-three-five defense under Zach Arnett, and I think if you look at Jaden Daniels and you look at the arc of his career and really his lack of development after that stellar freshman year, one of the things he's really struggled with, if you talk to coordinators who faced him, is reading defenses. Yeah. And I think that is about the hardest defense you can uh, you can possibly read because the three-three-fives, you know, might not be the most sound. But I don't know if Jaden Daniels has got the guy that can take advantage of moments of unsound defense. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to Emmanuel Forbes, who's one of uh, one of the better corners in the SEC, locking up Kayshawn Boutte, and we will see uh, what his engagement level is if there are moments of struggle again, because obviously that came into uh, came into be a factor against uh, against Florida State, but. Will Rogers was just a rock star in that in that game in Tucson. You could say, oh, it's only Arizona, but hey, you go on the road, you go on the road at night, and you pick apart a, a program like you know, kudos to you. Look, that guy's throwing for a lot of yards. He's going <laughs> to throw for a lot more yards. And you know, one thing about leech teams is they tend not to flinch. They only run like twelve plays, right? So like they're going to know what they're doing. There's going to be a comfort level. They're going to be able to endure adversity and a little bit of crowd noise. So I uh, yeah I really like Mississippi State in this game. I don't think they're gonna blow them out, but I, I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go in there and perform and and win. I will right. say, like I, I I liked LSU's response last week. It was Southern, obviously. You know they were going they're always going to beat Southern, but they they were sharp from the start and they put the game away very very quickly. That's all you can really ask for in those games. That was that was a good sign, but yeah, plenty of, plenty of bigger challenges to come. I love all the opining on the podcast here. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, we've got six more games. We're going to pick. We're going to put these games into little boxes, uh, the boxes that Reese established on Wednesday's show. So this grouping is games that sound better than they'll really be. <laughs> Oklahoma, an 11 and a half point favorite going to Nebraska. That's a big line. But I feel like Nebraska is kind of getting a lot of love. I don't know if it's that, you know, post firing bump or whatever. But uh, let's see what you guys think. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. There is an energy jolt that you get from the interim coach. I think Nebraska's uh, certainly embarrassed by the way things have started. And now a little bit of a new situation for Brent Venables taking a team on the road for the first time. The stadium will be alive because of the old Husker nation uh, loving this rivalry. I think we all thought that Nebraska had the potential to play better than it has in the opening uh, couple of weeks. I don't know that you magically fix everything and giving up 7 billion yards to Georgia Southern and having Dylan Gabriel, who I love, uh, walking through the door is not a recipe for optimism. And even so, uh, I'm not going to sleep on the old Huskers this week. I, I think Oklahoma wins the game, but I'm taking the points. Give me, give me the old school Nebraska bug eaters and the, the 11 and a half. You guys know that was their original nickname, right? Oh, yeah. I yeah. did not know that. The bug eaters. I used right. to have a sweatshirt, Bill. It said Nebraska bug eaters. <laughs> I am not going to overthink it uh, because because Reese at some point on Saturday is going to be sitting there early afternoon being like, why did I possibly <laughs> have faith in Nebraska? <laughs> like they just gave up 45 to Georgia Southern. And you have Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy and a whole bunch of better skill rolling into the stadium. And for as much as there may be an energy boost from an interim, there's also going to be some, I think, inherent hiccups that come with, you know, just a, a new coach. So there's a case for Nebraska, but until I see more from them, there is zero chance I'm picking them the rest of the year. I think Oklahoma wins by 21. 
Yeah, I think this is this is a this is a 60-minute game pick right here. If it, if it was a 30-minute game, I think Nebraska could absolutely use all the energy boost that we talk about. Because I, I do think, I mean, the environment's going to be three times better because they went ahead and, and spent the extra money to fire Scott Frost. I think, you know, it, it does kind of, whether it's real or not, it does kind of give you this little extra little jolt of hope and whatnot. And, you know, maybe some trick plays, you got a staff in there that isn't really worried about getting fired anymore. So they can kind of <laughs> loosen up a little bit and have some fun. Yo, so that, I think I, exactly. I think that says very good things about how Nebraska will play in the first half, but that de- I can't pick that defense right now. I, it, you know, they fix their offense to a certain degree. Special teams are less disastrous and Scott Frost got fired anyway, because suddenly they couldn't stop anybody. And if you give up 500 yards to Northwestern, then whatever it was, 600 something to Georgia Southern. I, this game's close for a while, but Oklahoma still wins by 14 to 17. Hey, Sarah, remember- do you have any faith in the Huskers? Oh, absolutely. Because you oh. don't know how electric <laughs> Memorial Stadium is going to be. Grammy's going to be there. Grammy's going. Grammy is going. They have had season tickets since the 60s. Wow. So Grammy, she's she's all in. She's in on the Mickey Joseph era, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't Casey Thompson, doesn't Casey Thompson have on his resume spinning for nearly, spinning the old magic bean for nearly four bills against Oklahoma? Keep talking yourself into it, Reese. Uh-huh. I said I wasn't going to do this, didn't I? And then here I go again. Every time I think I'm out, Jerry, they pull me back in. Oh. Seinfeld reference for you. Yeah. Speaking of uh, people who keep pulling you back in, Sean Clifford taking Penn State, a three-point <laughs> favorite to Auburn. Do we believe in Sean Clifford? His stock, like, cratered in that Purdue game. People were screaming for Drew Allaire, and then he leads the game-winning drive in all is well in Happy Valley. So what do you guys think? Let's go uh, Pete, Bill, Reese. So Drew Allaire has been sensational from what I've heard behind the scenes at Penn State. So take that for what it is. Drew Allaire will be in that conversation. Uh, Sean Clifford is a very good college quarterback and has evolved to a point where he's not going to lose you a game at this stage in his career. And with better tailbacks has come a better offensive line. And I see Bill sort of disagreeing. That's fine. Um, He'll lose it and then win it back and then lose it again and then win it back. That's kind of... We care about the we care about the end result here. I think Penn State <laughs> wins by I think Penn State wins by ten, and I think Nick Singleton charges into America's consciousness on Saturday. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind. I still don't completely trust Sean Clifford uh, because of the roller coaster that's always involved. But Singleton, you know, he got a little more of the lion's share of the carries last week. It, you know, first week against Purdue, maybe it was just because it was his first game, and and we always know about freshman running backs, and and the coaches never trust their blocking and all that. So you know, he didn't really get a full taste. But then last week, he just comes in and explodes right out of the gate, has two long touchdowns. That was kind of what we expected to see all along. Um, and if 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 Sean Clifford still suddenly has a running game, that kind of changes the equation completely. I I did like heading into the year with with Drew Allar as the backup. I, I kind of this felt like a really good situation for Clifford, where you know Penn State didn't have to worry about him getting hurt. He could run more um, and and really kind of enhance the run game. He hasn't run at all, uh, which is which is kind of an interesting. You know, he's trying to be more pocket based and I guess make himself more of a pro prospect. Um, I don't think that serves him or Penn State well long term. But if he's if he's got a, a new Saquon in the backfield, 
Well, not not Saquon exactly, but a good running back in the backfield, then that changes everything. And I think they've probably got too much for Auburn at that point. When you have a back like Nick Singleton and you're worried about him blocking, that is akin to worrying about Secretariat not being able right. to pull a plow. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, give him the ball. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Sure, just get in somebody's way. Be a speed bump, you know, in the blocking game. You guys have been to Jordan-Hare Stadium. When the, when the War Eagle starts flying over, uh, there can be some unusual things that unfold there. Balls bounce off tubas. Uh, you know, things, things can go in unexpected directions. But this will not be one of those days. Uh, <laughs> Singleton, Clifford. Um, Auburn will fight their guts out. I don't, I don't think they're uh, good enough on offense. And I think Penn State will win and cover. I, I was, for my Friday preview column, I was looking back through um, quotes from my Penn State. I went to Penn State in spring um, and, and, was, and talked to their coordinators and everything. And, and, you know, James Franklin's very professional, very straightforward. Manny Diaz is very professional and straightforward in interview settings. Uh, it was nice having Mike Yurisich to get kind of fired up. He'll, he'll, he'll give you some pretty fun quotes. And I, I asked him about managing expectations, um, you know, about, because I mean, he's got, you know, five-star freshman quarterback, five-star freshman running back. Like how do you ease him in and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of, he started slow and got just, uh, you know, more and more fired up through the course of the answer. But he's like, uh, well, that's interesting. You'll, you'll never hear us in a staff meeting say like, yeah, let's talk about how we're going to meet a high expectation. <laughs> we're, you know, we're trying to get guys going to class. Are we coaching as well as we can? Are they, we don't talk about media expectations. That's a you guys job. Uh, and then he goes, then he gets real fired up. I think he jumped out of his chair at one point. He's like, how would you do that? If you're a coach, let's go to a meeting. Okay, guys, we got the next big thing right here. He's sitting right here in the front row. We got to give him the ball a lot to meet these journalists expectations. You know, you know uh, what, you know what, Bill, it's funny, but I don't mind them picking on us. But that no. is that that's a that's a that's a red herring that that's like or a, a straw man. Army. They're, they're like, hey, 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 look, look over here. Don't look at what's really happening. Everybody knows they don't talk about it in the coaches meeting. That's an absurd <laughs> thing for him to say what he what we're talking about. And he knows it, by the way, oh, is yeah. when they come in in the recruiting, they're expecting to get the ball. They want to produce. They that's what you're talking about. Or yes. the inherent pressure that's going to come if you don't win the game at Purdue. You know, <laughs> that's what we're talking about, and they know it. So we have to do a, a great job of asking the questions in a way as best we can. Sometimes you can't stop them from taking those off ramps and <laughs> trying to say, oh, you stupid little people that don't do this ethereal thing that I do. I coach football, and therefore I understand young men. Give me a freaking break. You know? <laughs> anyway, other than that, it was I have a no lovely. Uh, what now? I, it was a lovely compliment to James Franklin's very diplomatic answer, so I appreciate it getting both sides. Yeah, no, I, look, Bill's being more diplomatic than I am here, <laughs> and <clears throat> I don't blame them for doing it, by the way, and they do it artfully and expertly but uh you know it's it's absurd when they start talking down and saying well of course we don't well we know you don't say okay number one on the game plan board this week how are we going to manage the expectations we're talking about because the same guys then turn around and pay thousands and thousands of dollars and rightfully so to the mental conditioning coaches to come in <laughs> to deal with their players and how they manage expectations oh I'm telling you, man. I mean, these guys get on. I love them, and they also get on my nerves sometimes. Okay. <laughs> 
Michigan State heading to yeah, Washington. That's all you got, Taylor, after that rant. All you've got is like, Michigan State is going to Washington. <laughs> we'll clear it out. We'll put a break there just to let it breathe, you know, let everyone recover. <laughs> Now we're back. Michigan State at Washington. Washington, a three and a half point favorite. This is a little surprising to me because Michigan State is the most hyped seven and five team of all time. So I, I thought that <laughs> the line would be, you know, in their favor, but I guess not. Let's go uh, Bill Reese Pete for this. Yeah, this is I've stared at this line for the last two days just thinking I'm missing something because, you know, I, I if, if Washington turns out to be really good this year. It won't be all that much surprising. They're, you know, just a couple of years from being really good. Kalen DeBoer, you know, I wrote this all off season when talking about Washington. Hiring a guy who's been awesome at every single job he's ever had seems like a pretty good idea. Um, and, and I assume it's going to work out pretty well for him. And and they probably exceeded expectations a little bit here in the opening. Even if it was Kent State and Portland State, they still kind of exceeded projections. So that's all that's all good. Um <laughs> my SP plus ratings still have Michigan state by seven and a half. And I can't really disagree with that. I feel like, you know, a couple of years ago during the COVID season, when there was a huge difference between the line and, and my projections, I was like, all right, well, we're about to find out that 17 guys are, are, are aren't playing this week. Uh, I, I mean, unless that's the case with Michigan state, I don't know why I wouldn't take Michigan state. They're just a much more, trustworthy entity we'll say even if it's not seven and a half i still trust michigan state at this point and and we'll find out what we need to about washington very quickly i'm inclined to to go with washington at home just sort of on a gut feel with michael Penix. but one of the things that um that michigan state michigan state's really into the science of all this the spartans are going to bed an hour earlier trying to deal with the time change <laughs> using some compression tights and you remember they did some things uh, in advance of their trip to Miami when they knew it was going to be hot and humid and they clobbered the Canes when they went down there last year, the year before last, whenever that was. Uh, I guess, well, not year before last. It must have been last year. But anyway, I, I sort of do too. I don't know why I can't get away from uh, the feeling that maybe Michigan State doesn't have it all put together yet and that this is a, a really uh, good topsy-turvy moment for Washington. Um now, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go back. I, I earlier said I thought Washington was going to win the game. I'm going to go with Sparty. I, I, I'm going to go with Sparty. Bill, you convinced me basically at the end of the day. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with Reese's gut uh, initially because Reese started the podcast by saying he was yeah. only going to go with his gut and he's conflicted his gut pretty much on every pick. I have. So, that's right. I have. Uh, it's I, been it's really old habits die, old habits die yes. hard, Pete. Yes. <laughs> um, so I... Uh, I like Washington in this game. I just think it's a program that's settled in a little bit. I think there'll be a distinct home field advantage, and I think there are some knowns about Michigan State this year, including Jalen Berger, but I think there are some unknowns. And I would like to see what happens, you know, when they get hit in the mouth on the road. Uh, you know, we weren't able to glean a ton from either of these two teams' first two games in, like, the can they compete for the conference title-type conversations. And so – I will lean into the home team here and I will lean into Kalen, uh, to Kalen DeBoer. I, I said on our Wednesday pod bill that, you know, the guy won in the NAIA and he won in division two. And you, you made yep. that point. It's just like, and he has Michael Penix. And when he had Michael Penix last time, as yeah. it, it went pretty right. well. Yeah. So uh, I think that, you know, there, there, there is, 
there's no distinct quarterback advantage on on either side. And uh, yeah, I I'm going to uh, I'm going to default on the uh, you know on on the home team here. And and I just think Michigan State has not shown to me that they are what they were last year uh, with with Kenneth Walker gone. I'm already, I'm already so conflicted. I want to go back, but I'm not going to because that's bad for the podcast. And I want to go back, but anyway, if it turns out Washington's really good this year, it's not going to be a surprise at all. This, this is just more like of a we don't quite have the evidence we need just yet. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna dare them to, uh, to prove me wrong. Pete, do you think I've made any progress at all in going gut? I don't think I have. I need I need one of those yeah. mental conditioning guys that the coaches <laughs> hire to kind of get us to get me over this. You're you're trending to the territory on uh, the old Yahoo podcast I had. We used to we used to Pat Forty was really bad at picks, so we oh, had a, a a fourth participant called Tap, which was the opposite of Pat. And so I think <laughs> we we can go with Easter. Would that be the, how you pronounce the opposite yeah, you, of Reese? You've, you've got to give me you've got to give me a couple more weeks because I like I told you <laughs> yeah. I think on nobody's Monday, been good. The, the, My SP plus projections of your picks don't really show a whole lot of promise. You know, the thing, uh, yeah, exactly. The thing, (laughs) the thing that drives me nuts is that, you know, we, we don't play games of chance among, among friends around there, you know, even in just entertainment or competitive purposes, we don't do that. But if we did, I would be faring (laughs) quite well, but somehow on the podcast, I get on here and I just absolutely blow it. So anyway, but on the bright side, nobody's done well, so you're fine. Well, that'll <laughs> yeah. change. That that'll change, and I'll I'll be sitting there getting grief from you clowns the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, what else? What else have we got? Let's uh, let's move to our last box of games here. There's three more. These are games that will be trickier than they appear. Texas Tech going to NC State. NC State a ten point favorite. Line seems a little disrespectful to Texas Tech. Let's go, Reese, Pete, Bill. I, I'm the one that created this category of game, so that ought to give you a, a sense of where I'm leaning. Um, I really like uh, this NC State team, but I think the line's too big. Um, I think Texas Tech will cover that line, so I'm going to take uh, the Red Raiders um, going on the road, backup quarterback, just as just as good as uh, Tyler Tyler Shuck, I think. So I, I'm going with uh, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Faith in NC State has not been rewarded uh, if you go over the years. So we'll we'll keep this tight and say I really like Texas Tech in this game. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, some of my game day cohorts pick the Red Raiders as a uh, as a super dog. Uh, they have elite <laughs> skill on the uh, on the outside that really flashed against uh, against Houston. And uh, if there's one thing you can count on NC State in big games, it's that you can't count on them, and certainly not to win by eleven. <laughs> there's a joke on Twitter. Um, during basketball, like during Utah Jazz games, like it's it's Jordan Clarkson time, says Jordan Clarkson. Um, <laughs> that, it, Donovan Smith, the entire fourth quarter against Houston the other day, is like, all right, it's Donovan Smith time. And he went out and tried to win the game with every single pass he made. He threw a couple terrible picks. Uh, one was taken back a long way. Uh, he basically lost the game and then converted a fourth and 20 and won it in overtime. So... I, like he left every possible impression. Um, and basically Texas tech as a whole kind of basically seems like a better and more extreme East Carolina, which makes me very nervous for NC state in that regard, uh, just because they seem capable of a whole lot of good and a whole lot of bad. And and it's going to be a lot for them to handle. My numbers say like NC state by nine, no real difference from the line on this one. I guess I'll lean tech because of that, but 
yeah, this one's volatile. And, and I hope it's as fun as it's going to be in my head with, with Smith making a lot of both good and bad plays. Uh, but I, I have high expectations for this one just from a pure entertainment standpoint. I love a good Super Bowl game. UTSA heading to Austin. Mm. The Longhorns, a 12 and a half point favorite. Let's go Pete Bill Reese. Texas has lost seven of its last nine games. So <laughs> expecting Texas, is that right, Bill? Off, like, didn't they uh, lose six uh, that, or seven that to close? That shocked me, but that's, uh, yeah. yeah that's I believe they lost six or seven to close the year. They had a late win over K-State, and they have lost one of two this year. So until proving that they can win games, never mind win games handily, I am going to take the program that has you know, giving us a little bit more faith. So there were a lot of good signs for Texas, but I'm still, I am still skeptical because of a very recent and distinct series of events. <laughs> I also really think Hudson Card isn't going to be healthy just from watching him play in the second half of that Alabama game. And uh, yeah, and look, I, I think UTSA stacks the box and uh, dares Texas to beat them. And maybe Xavier Worthy does, but. Um, old Jeff trailers, uh, you know, ain't his first rodeo walking into a stadium in Texas. So I'm, uh, I, I am taking the road runners with those points and I would not be surprised if, uh, they were singing the fight song in the corner of the field, uh, after the, Ooh, Ooh. okay. So I, I'm, I, I can follow all that right until the point where I just looked in UTSA is 120th so far this year in points allowed per drive. Um, now they play two pretty good offenses in Houston and Army, maybe better than whatever Texas fields. Uh, Texas does have Pijan Robinson, however, uh, even if he's also what, what's his health status. I know he was kind of banged up the other day too. I guess he's going to be fine as far as we know. He's fine. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I can't get past that. Like basically, you know, from a, from a computer standpoint, the line is being very kind to UTSA. I know, uh, my number is SP plus has it like 15.1 uh, for Texas. And I know FPI, which loved Texas at the beginning of the year, had them even higher, like 18 or 19 points, I think. So I'm going to go with that. I, I do. It's really not hard to craft a scenario where UTSA comes in and punches them in the mouth and, and Texas is hungover and their defense goes back to being last year's defense and all those things. But I'm going to just I'm going to guess that at, at the end of the day, Texas pulls away and, and manages to win comfortably. Most of the time when you expect a hangover game, you don't get it. <laughs> uh, you, those usually are the ones that sneak up on you. I'm sure that this has been the focal point of the preparation for Texas this week. And Sark, Sark has even said as much going in. I've got great regard for UTSA. I think that this is going to be a game where for the first three quarters, I'm saying I'm the one who put this in the trickier than it appears category. Look at Frank Harris. He just did it again. And why didn't I go with the Roadrunners? But I think Texas gets a late score somehow, some way, and they win by 13 or 14. So I'm going to go Texas, but they'll spend most of the game looking as if UTSA is either going to be a lot to cover or a threat to win. But I'll go Texas barely and late covering the spread. I love that I'm like with Reese's gut on everything, by the way. And then he's just disagreeing <laughs> with it. That is like, really, I feel like I'm sore. No, no, no. See, I, I define these. It will be trickier because on paper, you'd look <clears> at it and go, Texas just almost beat Alabama. They're going to beat San Antonio, even if 
even if UTSA won 12 games last year. I don't care. They're going to beat them. That's what I mean. It doesn't mean it always has to be the underdog. So this is with my this is my gut talking this time, Pete. My gut tells me <laughs> that Texas will will end up doing just enough to cover the spread. It's not the gut I heard <laughs> you, you're <laughs> from the just, Wednesday podcast. <laughs> you're just a contrarian. You're just a contrarian. I've had two more days to think about it. All right. All right. <laughs> two more days to talk yourself out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's probably true. <laughs> All right, gents. Last game on the board here. Kansas, fresh off of uh, applying the lame duck tag to Neil Brown. They're heading to Houston. Houston, 10-point favorites. Can they do it? Bill Reese, Pete. Uh, this is one where I'm just going to trust the numbers more than, you know, because w- when you watch Jalen Daniels play, you can t- talk yourself severely into Kansas. Uh, their defense still stinks. And so just going to go with Houston uh, right up front. Uh, I think my numbers say like Houston by 16. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. But Jalen Daniels is so fun to watch. This Kansas offense uh, brings so much interesting stuff to the table and, and kind of has since the moment he uh, stepped into the lineup late last year. That was the thing with Kansas last year was, you know, Lance Leipold gets to town in May. Uh, there's no culture building. There's no nothing. The, the strengths coach is the only guy who really knows anybody on the team until they get to practicing in August. They are absolutely abysmal for the first two months of the year. Uh, they they, they kind of jump up and almost uh, punch Oklahoma in the mouth, and then they go back to stinking for a minute longer. And in the last month, they're legitimately solid. Beat Texas, almost beat West Virginia, almost beat TCU. Um, like a, a severe, like they actually knew their players and they understood that Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback. Therefore, you know, this is who we are now. I think you can trust Kansas's offense at this point, and, and maybe they're going to overachieve those projections because of it, but their defense still stinks. And that's why I'm going to go with the Cougars. Rock Chalk <laughs> Jayhawk KU. Woo! I like Jalen Daniels and the and I like what Leipold is doing. You know, defense may still stink. Houston's been a disappointment to me in the way it's yeah. played up to this point yeah. this season. Uh, I'm going to take Kansas and the points. I'm really, I'm really taking this uh, opposite of Reese thing to an extreme here. So I really, I really think this is a, this is a sound strategy. <laughs> Look, I, I am, I have a ton of respect for what Lance Leipold has done. I just need a little more empirical evidence, and and I think Houston has shown that they can score, and I think. Doug Belk will show a little bit more of a pulse on defense uh, in this in this game. I think Houston wins by wins by two touchdowns. I think last week is more of an indictment of West Virginia than a declaration of Kansas as a Big Twelve contender. No, nobody well, said be, they were a Big Twelve contender. Now it's not you know that, that would be yeah. get, like, get carried away here. That would be a heck of a story to write, though. No, I, I did. I went to Lawrence, and Kansas is the one time I didn't jinx the crap out of so far in the preview in the profiles that I've been writing uh, this year. I mean, his culture building. Nobody builds culture like Lance Leipold at this point, and and they're gonna if if he actually stays. If if like Nebraska doesn't offer him a crazy amount of money or something, um, he's going to build Kansas into something pretty impressive. Uh, what, wherever you set that bar, wh- whether that means like going six and six or something better, I don't know. But um, I, I, yeah, I, they're only there on one side of the ball so far. One oh nine and six uh, on a scale. Okay, so let me ask you this: on a on a scale of Chuck Weiss to Mark Mangino, what do you expect the Leipold era to ultimately 
ultimately be described as? Uh, it, it'll be one of those, like, if you look at Mangino's total record, you're like, oh, yeah, he only had that, like, one really good year, didn't he? Um, I, I think that, I don't know if Leipold can pull a 2007, but I think he can definitely pull a 2008 and get them to, like, eight and five or whatever they ended up being that year. So that's, I think that's, um, I think that's where we're setting the bar right now. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go, if we want to go to full 2007 this year and just go nuts like the first two weeks have been, I'm, I'm in, but I don't quite see that from Kansas just yet. Yes, uh, Todd Reesing uh, and the boys had a great run back in the uh, back in the late aughts. He was one of the one of the great early kind of spread quarterbacks. Five eleven kid from Austin, you know, just like a a tick short, and a tick slow, and a really good quarterback. And I feel like look, man, Gino had them in the thicket of the national title race in like in that was 07 right like that was the mm-hmm. mind-bending year I, I i would struggle to ever project kansas football in the thicket of the national title race again do i think they can be above 500 win bowls be functional and competitive uh entice that administration to really invest and get a foothold in the top half of a new big 12 within the next five years yeah i think they can do that i don't i see if kansas state can figure out a way to do it and if oklahoma state can be dominant there's no reason why Kansas, which is a fine place to go to school, and they have access to enough talent in a, in a bunch of different avenues. There's no reason why Kansas can't be a uh, a functional Big 12 program. And as a Mizzou guy, this is making me itchy saying all these nice things. So I will point out that Chase Daniel, 14-year <laughs> pro, uh, made the best, best possible pro career in the history of, uh, of pro careers. He's barely gotten hit. He's made... Tens of millions of dollars. It's been great for him. That makes me feel better since we're talking about 2007. I believe Todd recently got in Austin real estate, and I think he's doing yeah, just fine. I think so. He's <laughs> probably doing okay. All right, gents. To close up the pod today, let's hear your locks for the week. I'll start. Uh, I don't, you know, Michigan State might have been it, but I don't think we can we can do, uh, you know, lock again that we've already talked about. So instead, I'm just going to have some fun here. Uh, my numbers... Leaning on those numbers a lot this week. Say Notre Dame by 19.9 against Cal. The line, I think, is like 10 or 10 and a half. Now, you know, we can say that, hey, their quarterbacks hurt. I don't know if that hurts them at all um, Mm. with what we've seen so far. But even if it does, you know, the the thought of Cal actually scoring points. I mean, this is going to be a a rock fight. Cal loves rock fights, and they're going to keep a low scoring. Um, But I, I, I struggle to see Notre Dame getting held low enough to to allow Cal uh, into this game too much. So we're going to say it's like 24-10 Notre Dame, something like that. They get going a little bit, but nothing uh, amazing, and they cover. I don't like to pick big number games in my locks. Typically, I just feel like that you set yourself up for uh, you set yourself up for goofy backdoors and such. So that said, I'm going to pull a Reese Davis and go against uh, against my te- <laughs> fundamental tenets. I love Minnesota against Colorado. I love Minnesota against Colorado because Minnesota has looked excellent the first two weeks, which if you look back at PJ flex tenure is there, they had struggled some games. Like they needed to win against, I believe it was uh, South Dakota state, like on an early Thursday game, like the PJ flex team has gotten better, which is a compliment to him, but they have not come out like a rocket ship every time they've come out like a rocket ship this year and Colorado is dismal and hopeless right now. There's really no right other way to say it. It is a uh, it it is it is a Colorado team that just got grounded and pounded by an excellent Air Force team. the The issue for Colorado is that Minnesota's just got 
better runners and better O-line. And Colorado was hopeless at home against Minnesota last year. It was a 30 to nothing game. And this is a 28-point spread. I feel like Minnesota is 15% better, and I feel like Colorado is 15% worse. So I think the boat rowers grind them right into into ground beef in – in Minneapolis this weekend, the line I believe is twenty-seven and a half, and I am happy to project the Golden Gophers by four touchdowns. You took mine. I agree with you. That's a great. <laughs> that's a great lock, and uh, I will go in a. Yeah, listen to your gut, Reese. Yeah, I do. Well, I'll tell you. Here's here's the gut. You may have. You may be withholding information because you know everything uh, from me, but I imagine because of Chip Kelly saying that a DTR. Uh, you know, or that Zach Charbonnet was unavailable or whatever, not some of the cloud. That line has gone down, uh, UCLA and South Alabama. And I know the Sun Belt is on a run and game day is going to a Sun Belt school. And Kane Womack and Major Apple White rolling into the Rose Bowl, maybe for uh, an epic upset. Uh, that line's 15 and a half. I'll take the Bruins and lay it and say that that's, uh, that's my lock this week. All right. Bruins can ground and pound. All right, boys, so we've made picks. Uh, Pete and I are on opposite sides, which makes both of us feel good. Uh, I'll be some texts flying on Saturday. Yeah, I did not make a lot of progress in my resolve to just (laughs) go with my gut, and it's amazing how much I can talk myself into in the short, short period, shorter than people realize, short period of time between Wednesdays and Fridays, but I've (laughs) once again been able to do so. But, hey, we'll, uh, we'll do it three times a week. Picks are fun at the end because, you know, like we had a producer at ESPN years ago. You break down all of this stuff, you know, three, three, five defenses, guards getting to the second level, route trees. And he'd say, I don't care. Just tell me who and by how many. And that's what the Friday version of the podcast is about. Bill, Pete, a lot of fun. Uh, Bill, wish you were joining us in Boone. Pete and I are going to try a variety of the restaurant recommendations that we've been that we've been yeah, keep those coming. Absolutely. Yeah, all the places that you could go. That's, that's very, very high on the jealousy list. I, that's going to be a super fun time. And, you know, if, if Pete and I actually ate at every restaurant recommendation oh. that we've been given, we'd have to be there for about three weeks. Yeah. Luckily my resolve to like stop eating cards and eat healthy is similar to your resolve to follow your gut. So there's some boon boon eateries that are in for a treat this weekend. Don't don't, don't do that. I mean, (laughs) stop eating cards. I should say my resolve to work out. That might be better. Okay. Yeah. That that you should do that. You should do all things in moderation, my friend, except the podcast, consume it all the time as often as you can three times a week. Get it wherever you get podcasts. This is the college game day podcast. We'll see you next week.